this week on EXM, GameStop still wants to sell you secondhand games. PewDiePie is Pewdie Rich. The Minecraft train cart keeps on carting or whatever. In this week's dialogue tree, we go deep on how some gaming companies are using behavioral science to exploit their consumers. Also this week, we have Pip Boys, Nintendo Playstations, graphics fiascos, new gaming recommendations, Master Game Theater, and so much more. Coming up in 30 seconds on EXM. The podcast you run over to get power-ups. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Exclamation mark podcast episode number 13. The podcast you run over to get power ups like a star or a mushroom. Uh, unlucky number 13, we're hoping is not the case because we're going to have an awesome time on this episode. Uh, as usual, I am your greeter, Crofton Steers, and one half of your exclamation mark podcast hosts. The other half, some would say, the better half, those people would be wrong, is Bo Schwartz. Hey, Bo, welcome. Hello, Crofton. Thank you for welcoming me to the show. I, You know, if anyone says that I'm the better half, I'd probably agree that you're wrong. I think you're the star of the show. Oh, Bo, you shouldn't you're, have. You're so right. You're the, <laughs> you're the talent, man. You're the, you know, there's no show if there's no Crofton. And quite literally, I mean that because you were the motivating force behind getting me off my ass to do the show. So uh, that may be that, that may be true, but there's no show if there's no bow. Sounds better. It does because everything that rhymes is deep and wise. So that's a lesson it's I've tr- learned having a name like Bo. It's true. Yeah. I can rhyme to almost like you can't rhyme Crofton with anything. Um, try it. Crofton should go to bed more often. Oh, boom. <laughs> With sexy ladies. That didn't rhyme. I felt, I felt uh, added value. There wasn't enough. The creepiness value of the statement wasn't high enough. You had to add something to it. That's uh, why we have you here for the lulls. It's right. true. I'm here for the lulls. So, uh, yeah, we got some stuff to talk about. Uh, aside from the usual stuff, Bo. Do you have anything you would want to maybe highlight? I can think of something. Well, the first thing I'd like to highlight is the question mark blog that oh. you wrote. Um, Crofton, you've been putting in some hard work. You're already a hardworking man raising kids, doing two podcasts. And now you're writing articles. And there Article. is a really good blog post on the EXM.com website. Ranking top, was it top 10 or was it top six? It was top 10, right? It's top 10. Yeah, top 10 songs in a video game. And not like, you know, memorable, like classical songs that you hear over and over again, but actual, you know, pop tracks, like rock songs or... I don't think there were any rap songs in it, but if one qualified for the list, it'd be on... You know, like, like what we know is a song. And it was actually quite eclectic. I found that I... A lot of them I hadn't heard of, although a lot of the games I hadn't played. Um... 
but I thought yeah. it was a really good list for like cool. exploring new music. Like, there's nothing like that out there in any of the big sites. In you know, well, it's funny, and that's part of the reason why I did it because like sometimes like you're watching a movie and a song will come on, capturing a moment. Like especially TV shows are known for this uh, dramas end of the show you know there'll be some emotional song bringing everything together i started thinking about how like there's a couple of songs in video games that really do it for me but whenever i would write like a google search and i'd write top video game songs the, the sort of the songs that i would always see are like theme from mario brothers or uh you know the legend of zelda overworld theme and so not not to say that there's anything wrong with those those are great pieces of music but they're not like songs like what you hear on you don't turn on the radio and hear you know the legend <laughs> of zelda overworld theme they're if classical I, pieces if the radio is ever on and i heard the opening harp to like final fantasy or something i think i'd lose my mind <laughs> <laughs> this is the greatest radio station ever. Um, no, I, I, I just felt that um, that it was something I'd run Google searches on, and I'm trying to draw eyeballs, you know, to the uh, to to uh, eyeballs and earlobes to our podcast and to our site. And so, I mean, like, I thought it was I thought it was neat. And a lot of those songs have now added ended up on my iPod. And it, sometimes it's hard to find new music or whatever. Yeah. So for me, it was uh, it, it was the the latest endeavor on my ongoing question mark blog. And just to add on briefly to that, I, I've created an account for us on um, on uh, IGN, which is a prominent video game community site. And uh, so now I have sort of like, it's a pseudo exclamation mark, pseudo me profile, which is exclamation. So people.ign.com slash exclamation. If you're on IGN, if you have a community profile, I'd really appreciate it. If you followed me, I will follow you back and I'm going to start putting some of the question mark blogs. Try and get some eyeballs and earlobes over to the exclamation mark podcast because we put out such a good show, Bo. Yeah, we put out a good show and you put out good written content. It deserves to be seen by as many people as possible. Otherwise, what's the point? So yeah, go give us a follow over on IGN. Sweet. We're going to be on all the networks. You'll see <laughs> the ones that'll let us, that is. That's true. HBO might take a while. Speaking of all networks that we've been on, uh, I, I hear you were somewhere different. Yeah, I got an opportunity to guest on a World of Warcraft dedicated podcast called Azeroth Roundtable. We did a live stream on Friday night and the show went up Saturday, so... I recommend you go to your favorite iTunes podcatcher, whatever, and go and you know subscribe to Azeroth Roundtable. Download the episode with me on it first. Start <laughs> there and um, give it a listen. I got some positive feedback on Twitter from people that listen, so I think I contributed something of value to the show. <laughs> and so that being the case, I'm, I'm kind of pleased about that. It was fun. I, I would say that if like value is based on amount of hours someone's played World of Warcraft, then I'm sure you can contribute considerably to that show. Well, uh, I know to you I look like someone who's played a lot, but like that's par for the course, I think. In, in the World of Warcraft community, I certainly wasn't, uh, you know... Um, like, I felt... I. Basically, like you would say, like, oh, Bo, you play tons of Blizzard games. You put in so many hours. And I think that I, would I say spend that. time with people who are equal or more, like, in that realm. So there's nothing unique about me 
As opposed to in this alt transaction, you're like, man, you play a lot of Blizzard games. What the hell's wrong with you? I'm, ju I'm just, <laughs> you probably have a lot to contribute in that in that yeah. area, especially with WoW. You know a lot of, uh, about WoW and have been a longtime player as well, so you've seen it through different evolutions and stuff. So, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I, I, I will though. Let uh, me put it this way: we always try and keep our podcast to under an hour. That episode was two hours and thirty minutes, roughly. So there was a lot of talking going on. It was good. Sweet. Yeah. Ah, right, interesting. You're gonna and get it, your fill, buddy, if you do listen to that show. <laughs> yeah, no, I might fast forward parts. Um, <laughs> but you should never fast forward the exclamation mark. You might miss something extremely valuable. Uh, yeah. All right. And um, just one last little quick promo I want to throw out there. Um, I'm organizing a tournament for Heroes of the Storm. Uh, if you f check our Twitter feed, check EXM or check myself, I think we're going to have our first game tomorrow and there's a good chance it's going to get live streamed. So if you want to see me play Heroes of the Storm, that might be your opportunity to. Uh, people hear of the legend of Gorath and uh, I'm assuredly going to disappoint. <laughs> so, so, so Gorath is the username. What team are you on? I'm on Team Chocolate. And... Um, you know, if you I, just check my Twitter account, I'll post links. I'll, I'll post links to the standings, depending and on where we win. And do you know? Do you do you? And I, this is my ignorance of Heroes of the Storm showing. Do you select the same character for each match? Are you like going to always be the same character? No, no. We we pick matches. We pick characters based on each match. So we we have we each have our own couple of characters that we play really well, and we're going to make a few team comps, like in football, when you or hockey when you put your lineups together we have oh, our, sweet. we have our lineups um but yeah you know it's... that's cool that's cool i i like how that is uh how you, you got to plan out beforehand to bring your a game yeah, you so know i can't talk any strategy on the show no advance what we got to keep that all hush hush i got gotcha. you uh, yeah no so but it's it's i hope it does get live streamed um we're talking about it and just check my twitter account or check exm podcast i'll retweet it on there too and yeah, well, while we might pull out a win, while we might not be able to talk about Bo's strategy, one thing we can talk about is the news of the week in a little segment on the show that we like to call Readme.txt. Readme.txt. Dot txt dot txt dot i made Sorry. good use of that reverb <laughs> yeah sweet all right uh yeah so uh, a little more news than last week eh i think so but honestly it was kind of i think we'll barrel through this news pretty quickly i felt overall i think everything's gonna feel like a slow news week now that we've did two episodes covering e3 i'm like yeah where's all the news there's like nothing um yeah well, are you, i'm just gonna jump right in with the first item then the state of secondhand games. So there was an article where GameSpot publicly came forward and says it still wants to be in the secondhand game market and they want to work with console companies to make digital profiles transferable. And I, th what I, I think what they mean by that is that a lot of the games you buy now get hooked into your you know, Xbox Live or whatever they call it now account or your PlayStation account sort of disincentivizing secondhand sales. But right. if there's a online mechanism uh, mechanism you know in those environments to resell to another user then you could reinstate it <laughs> so i what do you think about this i kind of feel like the whole idea of having it linked to your profile 
kind of like the way we do it on Steam, is to just completely kill the secondhand market and make sure all the money goes to the developers. Yeah, this is Game GameStop and EB Games in Canada and stuff. Um, like, look, they've had uh, a bit of a gravy train going for quite a long time, which is the used games market. And if you go into an EB Games, they will always try. Like, if you go up and you ask to buy a, a new copy of the game, they'll say, "Oh." Or, have you considered getting $5 off and buying this used copy and then paying the $3 CD protection fee in case there's scratches or whatever? Like they have all sorts of ways in which they've been trying to generate money. And in many ways, that's the only way a retailer can stay alive in the increasingly uh, – common digital space for video games so i want i want there to be stores i want there to be video game stores i've never really liked the used game market because technically like a used game like if i sell you a game and the developer of that game only made the money on the first sale like on on when i bought it and and meanwhile eb games is making or or GameStop is making nothing but profit on a used game sale. They don't have to give anything to the developer anymore. And I find, you know, like that's always bothered me too. So, I mean, kudos for them for evolving with the times, but it's not something that like, I don't like used games in general anymore. I think I've moved past them. Do you think that if having used game, like, do you think if it was make or break for the retail industry in gaming, to have secondhand games, would you then be kind of more for this? Like, would, would you want to vocally support, yes, secondhand games? Would that be enough? It's a good question. I don't know because, like, I feel like if you told me, okay, there's this industry, it's going to go out of business, but they have to engage in shady business practices to keep to keep it going, is it worth it? I, I would almost say, well, like, that that it, they shouldn't be in business anymore, right? And, and I think it's the dedicated game retailers that are feeling the pinch, like, in a place like Walmart or Toys R Us where you have a gaming aisle, like they, they, they're making money hand over fist in other areas and it's just sort of gravy, the gaming section. Whereas, um, whereas a GameSpot and EB Games uh, – GameStop and EB Games, like they're – that's their – if they don't make money on games, then they're out of business, right? I just feel like there's – there's got to be innovative business ideas out there, partnerships that they could make, maybe online digital store like a Steam computer. Um, I, I don't know. There's got to be something else. I, don't, I, I feel giving them a carte blanche, like just saying, hey, you know what? Because if you don't do this, you're, you're going to go out of business. You should do it. Um, you know, I, I, it, it's a tough it's a tough question. It's, to a hypo- it's a hypothetical, just because it's a good one. Um, maybe they'll still be alive and well, just not making as much money. Because clearly, we'll be fine as consumers. You brought up Toys R Us and Walmart, like all these dedicated game score- stores go out of business. We still have a retail place to go get that stuff, right? So, I'll tell we- you what. I'll tell you one thing, Bo. One of, one of the dreams, like weird sort of dreams that I always had was to run my own game store. But I wanted it to be like sort of folk, like sort of like an eclectic, maybe like a hipster-esque. <laughs> Only Crofton's favorite games. But, well, or like old old games, like retro. You, okay. You'd have like retro games from like way back when and all this. And this is somewhat what a microplay or, you know, a lot of these 
these stores are now and that there would be a lot of like, you know, gaming paraphernalia. It would be almost like half museum, half, especially PC games. A lot of them are going the way of the Dodo, like old games that you'd be able to find them. But I realized, you know what? There is no functional way to make a profit on that. It's really just – it's a nice romantic idea to have, but it really – I could not have a store like that that would make money. So the only money to be made would be on new games and uh, and, and I sh- if you were to develop a store, that's what you should focus on. And um, even companies focusing on those games are not making money. So, and they may only be making money because they're an international retail chain. Like it's not right. one store. It's like we have to do this in bulk. Okay. Well, um, you know, I, retail still be around, but uh, I have fond memories of GameStop. Even though sometimes their customer service is definitely frustrating. Uh, I hate scratch protection. Have I said? I haven't said that exclamation mark before, but. No, I I think it uniformly uh if you're a gamer uh you hate that sort of shit but it's there for mom and dad who go in and buy the game for their son or grandson aka and, the sucker tax yeah it it really is and you can almost see the 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 clerks when they're dealing with somebody who's an experienced gamer and they they're making that pitch and you're kind of like okay just finish your pitch and then we're going to move on they almost look embarrassed cuz they know that you know better you know yeah you think they'd let them you know customize their message to the marks so if their mark is a sucker then they can say it and if the mark is clearly experienced gamer you know, it reflects better on the brand if they don't. But anyways, let's move on. Um, so do you know who Felix Kielberg is? I have no idea who that is. Do you know maybe uh, uh, him by his online alias? PewDiePie! <laughs> oh, yes. I'm PewDiePie, we can play some games! <laughs> I, I, truth be told, I've never really watched one of his videos. I've probably just seen some cuts of him at his worst moments, as they do in these reels. It's like, oh, I played a game! Jumping off a bridge! Hey, boot it's something he's a very animated person and blessings on him anyways his earnings got reported it's all in the press uh he earned 63 million sex um that's S-E- oh that's a lot of sex that's s-e-k uh, i think i'm I, I didn't write down where he's from he's from some european country where sex is, is money it's about oh, 7.5 yeah. million u.s Probably in jerky. 2014, can you imagine being a young teenager or a young adult making these YouTube videos every day, waking up like basically it's like God took a big money dump on you? Um, his YouTube yeah. channel has 37 million subscribers and generates Holy over shit. four million in ad sales. This guy is like hit in the head with a gold brick. Uh, can you imagine what? And we were talking to Mike the other day about our live streaming and how you know it's dumb. Nobody watch, watches it. Here is a dude, not a corporation, just some dude plays video games. Uh, 37 million people following him, him earning this kind of money. I don't get it. So if he owns four, earns four million in ad sales, how does he make seven point five million a year? Where's the rest? Um, I guess the from? article breaks it down, but it might be in sponsorships. I know he has a book. He's writing a book. I don't know if that's been released, but all kinds of associated promotional thing when you're a celebrity. Um, I imagine that comes from the rest. I'll open it up, but to tell me what, like, 
can your mind even like wrap itself around this world we live in now where someone who just plays video game like have your siblings ever watched you play a video game before like you're the one playing oh yeah it i've there's a five-year difference between me and my youngest brother and he uh-huh. grew up watching me play a lot of games and then he would he would as he grew up older he started playing them and i would start them first and then he would do them better afterwards so yeah i i, I have fond memories of that stuff okay sorry i made a mistake on the 7.2 million it's it, that's the amount he made in sex in in 2012 and it was 29.6 million in 2013 Oh, no, it does say around 7.5 million. I don't know. This article leaves a few holes. There's, I'm not finding a direct link, but clearly it's millions and millions of dollars. The key thing, the key word to take away from all this is millions. But back to what well, you're saying about your bros, they would watch you play. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an audience of people out there who don't want to play games. Can you, no, as he, a ga- you know? he wanted to. I was just on the computer. Okay. Well, what about you and Jesse? Like, like you have people who spectate your game playing, right? Sort of. Like, I mean,. I have to twist their arms. Oh, okay. Well, imagine that there are 37 million people out there who don't have to have their arms twisted to watch someone else play a video game. It's it's crazy, but there's a couple of things I'll say. One one is that that good on this guy. Like I've never watched his stuff, but you know, we have an online podcast with video component and everything more than one in which we're trying to publicize, get the word out, get people to watch, get people to listen. It's difficult. It's not super easy. Um, or, you know, literally everybody would do it. If you could just become a millionaire automatically, it's hard to do. So, and, and the other thing is that he is the whole show. He's not leeching on anybody else. Like, yeah, he's leeching on the games like we are or whatever, but he's not, he is the guy who is the talent who is, people are, are tuning in to watch him. So, I mean, like it is crazy that he makes this much. And even in this article, it says on GameSpot, it says that he would, he himself would prefer to have like 5 million instead of 37 million subscribers because he feels the pressure and he feels like now he has responsibility as a celebrity and stuff. And, and, and that's, I can, I can understand where he's coming from. It's crazy. It's, it's a, it's a new world uh, we live in. I can't say I understand it fully, but you know, kudos to the guy for being loaded. Yeah, well, you know, and it's not just him. It's a whole generation of marketplace of streamers. Like, I think he's just the top of the heap uh, that we know of anyways. All right. And if, if you're a huge, uh, uh, if you're a huge popular person, like who has made themselves millions of dollars streaming on YouTube and you for some reason are listening to the show, well, then please tell us how you did it. We really want to know. Just tell us how. I'll make funny sounds. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> There's um this guy Dick so long in the chat room says I look like the guy from Breaking Bad. So I'll do Heisenberg impressions for you. <laughs> I am the danger. No spoilers. <laughs> I may watch that one day. Okay, you need to watch that, you fool. All right, let's move on to the next item. Um, Minecon happened as as if I it didn't enter my brain that it was even possible for there to be a Minecraft convention. I find out there is one. I'm sure it's not the first one. I didn't really look into it, but some big, Microsoft owns that, right? They, now they do, yeah. Yeah, they think they bought it last year or this year, you know, for that <laughs> giant pile of billions. Speaking of billions, I, I'm, 
I'm sure they host that thing. They probably pump money into that. It's yeah. a big promotional event, I'm sure. Yeah, but, you know, that's not the big news item. The big news items, at least for Minecraft lovers, are that there's a new version of Minecraft being worked on from scratch from Windows 10. So it's not like it's going to be V1. It's going to be like version 0 0.1, and they're going to do the same sales model as before. So just, you know, you buy it once, you get it updates for life, and it's it's like the definitive early access game. I think it's the, probably responsible for, you know, pioneering what we know now as early access. So there's a new Windows 10 version. Interested to see what an updated version of a really shitty looking game is. Because <laughs> it's got to still be crappy for it to be Minecraft. Um, no offense, Minecraft players, but you know the graphics aren't great in that game. Um, Part and, of the charm. That's right. And also, notably, Telltale, that I'm a company I'm a big fan of, is getting in on the Minecraft action with an episodic adventure called Minecraft colon story mode. And the trailer looks interesting, although it does look, look look like it's a bit aimed at a younger demographic. Um, but yeah. That's that's crazy. Uh, I like Telltale games. I, I do. But I'm starting to get like um, – I'm starting to get what, – what's fatigue the word? Tale or tell fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> tell fatigue. There's a joke you in know, there somewhere. Yeah. It, the thing is, is like there's that Borderlands one out now. Tell tired. You're starting to get tell, tell tired. Oh, that's it. That's <laughs> it. I'm getting tell tired. Uh, let's trademark that now. Um, and uh, that Borderlands – one like I like Borderlands. Well, you and I played tons of Borderlands too, and I like the characters and world of Borderlands. I I played. I I love the beast, um, the wolf, uh, the fables one. I love fables, so it, I I really enjoyed that. But at the end of fables, and then I played season two, of The Walking Dead. I was kind of like, eh, okay, I'm starting to see the seams here. And uh, after playing a game like The Witcher with the choice and consequence, all that in that game, and how your decisions really have intense effect on the world and it, like the, the the middling little choices in the telltale games don't really do it for me anymore so you know maybe it'll work well with with uh, minecraft i've also heard that they're making a minecraft movie or something along those lines so oh, no. I, I mean i don't know i don't know what there is like it seems both these things the story mode and the movie seem like counterintuitive to what the spirit of Minecraft is, the the pure creation and but whatever. Like uh, I I I'm impressed that this game has the legs that it does. And I'm sure that when my uh, kid is older, it'll be a game that we'll play together and I'll probably have fond memories of it. But right now, as a jaded adult, I just I don't play any Minecraft. I'm not big on the creation games. Uh, maybe I'm just lazy that way. I, I want I want to be in that boardroom when the Minecraft pe Microsoft people and the Telltale people were shaking hands, agreeing to do this project, and like a simulation, a Hololens simulation of money pouring everywhere came down because it's like it seems like a really good marriage and a really good opportunity to cash in on a market. You know, Telltale gets new customers out of the Minecraft players. Um and you know Microsoft just gets more money to on the Telltale money train. Uh, but I agree with you about I'm tell tired as well. Um, I have Walking Dead season two, and I played episode one. I played episode one, and episode two is yet to release. And I realized that model doesn't work for me. Give me all five episodes or f off. So I I just released all five of them are released. I know, and I still haven't I've, gotten I've... around to it. That's the point. Like. But it's got to draw. Like the point is that these games generate hype, and when I'm hyped, I'm gonna play it. The hype cools down. 
I'm less likely to, you know, I'm not as hot for the game anymore, so I'm less likely to start playing. That makes you sound like a marketing tool. You need to come to games, like, hot to play them. Like, that's, you need to be excited. It's like going to see movies or anything else. If you're not into it, you're not going to have as much fun. I guess. Um, So, you know, that's why I'm waiting on Tales from Borderlands, a game I really want to play. And it's why the Game of Thrones one looks looks enticing, but I'm not going to play until all five are out. And I agree with your comments that you can definitely start seeing their seams. We need some more big surprises in these Telltale games before they become like the same format, every story, you know, going forward. Yeah, so. I definitely think the scripting is great. All that stuff is great. It's just you're right. We need more gameplay loops in there, like stuff to break it up. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the big Minecon news. Uh a few quick mentions. If you haven't seen the pre-order Fallout 4 Pip-Boy, um, you ordered pre-ordered the collector's edition. I'm not 100% of the details, but this thing is amazing. It's the little wrist dial on there. Fallout, and this was announced at E3, but Fallout is um, going to have an app on your phone that'll connect to your game and do all the stat stuff, and you can put it in your Pip-Boy and just use your Pip-Boy while you're sitting on the couch playing Fallout 4. Uh, go check it out. It looks amazing. It's really cool looking. Uh, this next one, I don't know much about. Crofton, you'll have to do. Just w- with regards to the Pip-Boy, Todd Howard had some amazing quote about it saying like... Oh, he said s- most like uh, cross-app platforms are fuck. <sighs> use the F word, fucking trash. But this is the best fucking trash that you're going to have. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. I was like, that is good on him, you know, for owning it. So They're real rock stars at E3 this year, let me tell you. Um... Oh uh, yeah, so uh, so yeah, I'm I'm not like I find toys are on the rise with games and collectors editions and all sorts of stuff, and I you know I have disposable income, but my wife would kill me if I filled my house up with that shit. Um, but it's a yes. pit boy. No, just kidding. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> Ubisoft changes internal policy with regards to E3 presentations following Watch Dogs graphics fiasco. So this sort of hit today. IGN was reporting on it. Essentially, uh, what it is, and this is um, Ubisoft is not the only company guilty of this, but it's happened. I think people are pointing to the division as well, but definitely Watch Dogs, where they present a game. They show a sizzle reel. Maybe they show the beginning of gameplay footage, and it looks hot to trot. Like people are like they're you know, like Bo are getting really excited. You know, maybe their pants are starting to tent a little bit just looking at all this footage. Um, and then then you know, next E three rolls around, and then another E three, and then they show more of the game, and suddenly, whoa, wait a minute, it's not looking as good as it did in those first uh, videos and then the game comes out and people are sort of saying hey you know this is not what we were promised this is way uh, under what we were promised and so um the head of ubisoft has just sort of said uh we're going to move away from um uh, from showing stuff in this way we're going to have a policy that like if it's not uh, if we don't know that it can run exactly is shown on this system, we won't we won't show it or we won't you know we'll be more judicious in in showing the footage. Um, so I you know it makes sense to me. Have you ever been burned by something that looked better in a sizzle reel and then you bought it and are like this sucks? I think I got or scarred the- a lot because um, there was a period in gaming where. You'd get the sweet, and I was younger, so I understood less about how game development works or what this all means. You get a sweet ass trailer, you know, and then you get this janky ass game, and it's like, well, those are movie cinematics, and this is in game cinematics. 
So I've 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 had this per, you know given my age group this pervasive feeling of being ripped off a lot in games. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's it's good. I you know, and I have to like I. I mean, it, it's good that they're learning. I, I mentioned on the E3 shows, I'm getting really sick of these three-year E3 things where like, hey, today we're announcing The Division or we're announcing Watch Dogs. Oh, next year at E3, hey, it's more of The Division. Hey, it's more of Watch Dogs. Then the following year and the finally it comes out and it's lost all steam or it's just it, – it's just we're expecting to begin with. I think the important lesson to be learned here from Ubisoft and other companies is – do what Bethesda did sometimes, which is say, hey, we have a game in development, Fallout 4, we're announcing it now, and it's coming out later this year. Here it is at E3, you know, like, and and I think that that way you don't run the risk of, of screwing yourself. Because I think if you build it up year over year, at one point, you're going to hit that that sort of high level of hype where people are going to start getting burned out on seeing the game before it's released. Yeah, E3 seems like a big hype machine and it seems like a big miss on sales to like even if it's annoying for us on the E3 front to watch it year after year, it's got to be damaging to the company's bottom line. It seems like a good time to sell something is while the iron's hot, you've made it hot for E3. Watch Dogs in particular, that game got delayed a lot, right? And, and and like the Assassin Creed games, say what you will about them, but they announce them the year that they're coming out. You know, you know, there's going to be one every yeah. year, but you don't know anything about it until the beginning of that year, maybe, you know. So they're able to do it. They're able to refrain from making a big game announcement until the year it comes out. I just I think it's part of like throwing some red meat to the hardcore gamers and saying, hey, we're working on something really cool. Check it out. But, you know, it's a no win situation because they're going to see this stuff, they're going to get excited. And then when it's not exactly what you promised originally with your opening trailers or opening gameplay footage, they're going to freak out. So you might as well play it safe. You're chipping away at your reputation. That's right. Well, I think it's a positive thing that they're making these policy changes. Time will tell if they become effectuated. Um, Lastly, in the readme.txt section, just a quick little interest piece. A legendary item... uh, was unearthed, uh, I think this week, very, very, very recently. Uh, Super Nintendo was working with Sony before the release of the Super Nintendo on the Super Nintendo PlayStation, or maybe it was after. I'm not good on the history. What I am good at is looking at pictures. So um, I'm going to throw the link actually right in the show notes when this gets launched, but just go to Polygon and write, like, Nintendo PlayStation, and you can see pictures of a Super Nintendo it's like a Super Nintendo PlayStation had a baby. And they're mixed together. There's like a CD-ROM tray, the controller. It looks like a Super NES controller, but it has PlayStation logo and stuff on there. It's pretty cool, like, little piece of history. So, um, apparently there were 200 prototypes made, and they were all ordered to be destroyed. I guess there was some fallout between the two companies. But this one survived. Yeah. The big the big thing was that once upon a time, Nintendo was on top of the console gaming world and uh, was preparing their next, their successor to the Super Nintendo. Uh, and uh, they had been dealing with Sony with the idea of, of CD-ROM technology was just kicking off and how they were going to have like a CD drive in the system and they were going to partner together. And Nintendo got cold feet once they were well along in development and said, um, said, you know what? We, we, we like cartridges. We're going to go back to cartridges. <laughs> uh, 
And Sony was like, "What the f? Screw you guys! We're gonna make we're gonna make our own system." And that was like that failed business venture has changed the landscape of video gaming to this day because Sony came out uh, obviously with the the Sony PlayStation and Nintendo went with the Nintendo 64, which was the last cartridge based system, right? So, um, the and it's 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 funny. I think we're better off that that didn't that didn't work out. Um, so it's it, but it it is cool. It is such a weird sort of brain thing. I almost thought somebody made this in their garage and was trying to sell it. When you see the picture, it it looks like Super yeah, oh. Nintendo meets PlayStation <laughs> One. You know, like it's so weird. It does look janky, but it is a prototype, right? Like it's that's right. You know, um, the funny thing about that though is I feel like Nintendo did lose out because. CD-ROMs have won in the end, or DVD-ROMs, like, because the GameCube didn't use cartridges, but they had to use, like, smaller CD-ROMs, you know? This is like, Nintendo, uh, one of its things that I always know about them is they always got to try and be a little different and unique, and it's not always a bad thing, but in light of this story, it feels like, you know, a 500-year grudge <laughs> against the CD-ROM stuff. Anyways, we like, we prefer cartridges. Um... All right, so uh, that's it for the news. We're going to move on to Games Per Minute. You always talking about making kids' minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street smoking pot. This is Games Per Minute. How do you feel about cutting his head off? Games Per Minute. It's fun to cut heads off. What uh, What is Games Per Minute, Bo? Games Per Minute is where we sort of, a blog style, talk about the games we've been playing in the past week. Uh, we sort of share some details all about that kind of stuff. Crofton, uh, which one of us should go first on this week? I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not going to have much to say. Uh, so why don't you go first? All right. I'm a polite Canadian. I always like to, you know, just yeah, fair enough. want to go first. I can go first. We can go first. We're all friends. Let's be polite to each other. I'm sorry for all of that. <laughs> Canada in a nutshell. All right, I'm on fire today. Um, so it's basically Bo's Blizzard Corner. Um, I really actually did try to... Like, it's a thing with me now to try and get in some non-Blizzard gaming time so I have something relevant to talk about in the show. But I don't this week, so let's get it over with. Um, played a ton of Heroes. The Eternal Conflict was launched last Tuesday, so this is actually... the Even though it's sort of kind of old news because it's a week old, we haven't had a chance to really talk about it, I don't think. Um, there's a new map. It's awesome. There are these giant titans that uh, fight in the middle. It's something to see. Uh, it sets a new standard for the maps that they have in the game, so they better start bringing it after this. Um, it's Diablo 3 themed, including there's a treasure goblin that you can kill right at the beginning of the match, which is a That's lot of funny. fun. Um, and there's a new hero, the Butcher, which is the last boss in Act 1 of Diablo 3, as well as, I believe, a character in Diablo 1. I'm not... I don't remember. It's been too long since I played the first two Diablos to know if he's in all three games. But um, it's it's cool that a, an enemy boss is is made a hero in this game, and he's definitely scary as hell. So he charges at enemy heroes and yells "Fresh meat!" And when he kills things, he picks up their meat and eats it, and that helps him gain more and more power. Um, he can also chain you to a hitching post, kind of like you're a dog, and you can't get away. And then he just beats you up. Uh, yeah. When when uh, say like somebody was playing as him, and somebody else was playing as Tyrael or whatever, and they're they're all playing as Diablo characters on the Diablo map. Would would if you were just walking by somebody's computer or whatever when they were doing that, would it look like they're playing Diablo? 
I think it would look fairly similar. They're both top-down yeah. isometric view games, but there's a bit of a distinct art style to Heroes that isn't in Diablo. It's right. Diablo's a bit more gothic and a bit more low-tech. Everything feels beefier in terms of, you know, everything moves slower. Like, you know the way you can rip through enemies in Diablo? You can't really do it. It depends how much of a gamer you are. I think if you weren't very much a gamer, it'd look the same, but you'd probably think all games look the same. So that's a sliding scale of ignorance that you can <laughs> travel down. Yes, fair enough. But I think it would look similar, but not the same. I think it's distinct enough. Um, yeah, yeah no, that's... that's uh, So it was a big update. It's a big Heroes update. Yeah, as far as MOBAs go, it's a big update. As far as, you know, a lot of games would consider... The MOBA world considers big updates things that many other games do not because... You know, it's one guy that's added one map. Doesn't sound like a whole lot, but no, I I know. But like, like you look at something like uh, what is it? Is it League of Legends where they just play on one map? Is that yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I know I understand that it's a big. I, I it's tough to strike balance for these games that are meant to be online co- uh, competition games. Uh, so it's it's you know they're not they're not small things. When a map pack comes out for Call of Duty, it's a huge deal in that community, especially right. Yeah. Yeah, so that uh, was exciting. Big reason to play past uh, couple days. Um, I haven't really been playing Hearthstone, but I'm kind of like, excited to get back into it because the Argent... Tur- well, no, sorry. We don't know that yet. There's an announcement of an announcement for new Hearthstone news July 22nd. Um, as a Hearthstone player, I'm excited about it, but it's really just the most boring piece of news ever. An so announcement of an announcement. <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes here. It's like, it's like the meeting, uh, the schedule of the meeting, you know, in a bureaucracy. It's like, oh, my Lord. Um, uh, and finally, uh, I did go. And part of the reason I didn't play a new game was because I'm a big fan of this anime called Knights of Sidonia or Shidonia. And season two was released on Netflix this week. And so I spent a lot of time watching that. I really liked it. it. How does it compare to season one? Better or worse? Better. Um, the animation's better. Uh, I find they spent more time on like the, the cutesy character storylines, which I kind of like. There's an alien. <laughs> there's a, Such a nerd. There's a, there's a human in, in Ghana, like alien hybrid character, and it's giant. It's like it's the size of a mecha. It's like a mecha anime. So, But this is a living thing. But in order to communicate with humans in their human form, she has this like what can only be described as an umbilical cord penis. That travels sounds, sounds right. <laughs> travels around and is cute and like cuddles with people and plays with them. It is the most disturbing but amazing thing ever because it's she's a little girl. She's friendly and cute and it's not perverted in any way. It just looks uncomfortable. Um, yes, Jesus, <laughs> umbilical cord penis. Wow, that's what that's what it is. Um, as soon as you started talking about a Japanese anime, I was like, I was like, I wonder. Like, this is a Netflix show, so maybe it's not as crazy as the ones that I think of when I think of Japanese anime. And then you had to mention an umbilical cord penis. It just woman. looks like that. There's no uh, sex. It's not tentacle porn. There's no porn in it, although. If there's like that awkward teenager thing where it's like you might he might walk in on a girl who's undressing and the young girl the girl will punch him in the face and his nose will bleed like there are these moments like that like these awkward teenager moments and does his nose yeah does his nose ever bleed before he gets punched in the face no I never but I that, never understood that yeah I don't get it either but it happens a ton with trigger stuff if you watch Kill a Kill or Gurren Logon you'll see plenty of nose bleeding at the sight of hot girls so. If, 
you know i don't i, I, don't, I don't get the cultural that. relevance either but it's like if a, if a really attractive woman were walking down the street and it caught my attention if i were an anime at least by some anime standards my nose would literally splash blood everywhere and i don't i don't get it it's either. nasty i'm yeah, not that understand. into it that i need to find out the cultural significance it's, <laughs> i just accept it it's just a thing it's just a thing in this in this crazy world no, but he literally gets punched in the face and then bleeds. So there's none of that. Okay, lots of uh, lots of those like red cheek moments, though. Um, yeah, that's pretty much been my week in gaming, and with a touch of a little sprinkle of anime. Crofton, yeah, I, I think there's overlap to? there. Uh, yeah, it's funny because like I'm I'm. You know, I get on you about Blizzard and Hearthstone and and Heroes of the Storm. It's like, oh, what am I doing this week? Oh, I'm playing more Heroes of the Storm. But uh, but I am going to. I am that guy with The Witcher Three. Like, I don't know how many episodes this is now. I've written a blog on the question mark on The Witcher Three. There's I I've been playing it more, and honestly, I'm probably close to the two thirds mark of the game. And I I, I want to say like. I, I play it a lot too. Like for me, especially like I was kind of taking a sabbatical from games. Like I was doing stuff with my daughter. There just wasn't much to play, but now I, you know, I put in at least an hour a night, if not more, sometimes two, you know, two hours plus. And I've been, I've been playing for well over a month, this game and the sheer breadth of content as a single player game just boggles my mind. Like it's crazy. And, uh, the fact that every time, and my wife can attest to this, every night that I play that game, at one point, I go into like her room or something and I say, I say, hey, Jesse, you know what's awesome? And she's like, The Witcher 3? And I'm like, yep, <laughs> it's awesome. Because like there's always something awesome that happens and it makes it, it's, um, it's been episodes now since I said that while playing The Witcher 3, I was, feeling like this may be one of my favorite games of all time like i knew that fairly early on and that's weird having that feeling when you're playing a game but now it's been weeks since then and i'm still having that feeling of giddy excitement and while i recognize there's 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 some problems i read an interesting article on on kotaku i think about the women of the witcher 3 and how some of them are extremely um strong and how they've 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 done this sort of fantasy world filled with oppression in this and and that uh because of that it can sometimes reflect poorly on women sometimes the women are too scantily clad often they're very strong personalities um so it's interesting that there's so much richness to the world and i'm constantly amazed by the little things in this game and the thing that this game does right that no other game has done right before or the the way it solved things that I didn't even recognize were issues before. Like, um, just, here's a small, just a, a small example. Uh, is is it you start the game with these Witcher signs, which are essentially magic spells, and you have I think six of them. Um, I know Igni is one of them, right? Right, the okay. fire one, and you can upgrade them and whatever. Uh, and they can they can do you know more impactful things. But what is so awesome about them is, is like not only are they do they serve whatever their primary say combat based purpose is, but they also like are used for puzzle solving or impacting the game world in all sorts of different ways. I'll give you an example. One of them 
is a, a, a force push power essentially, like in Star Wars. Like it's a it's a giant blast of it's like Fusroda, Fusroda. Yeah. <laughs> but but unlike that, it, it does what it it does like knock guys over, and it can it can knock a guy over and give allow you to get like a permanent kill. It can yeah. it can knock flying enemies out of the air. It can also knock all the items in a room all over the place, much like in Skyrim, how you can do that. But you can you can have it so that like if uh, if a if a bandit shoots an arrow and you time it right, it'll it'll shoot the arrow back. At him or shoot it into his buddy or whatever. Um, you oh, can wow. have, yeah. Like there's wa- there's walls that you can there's secret passages that you can access by knocking over like bricks and stuff. You detect them with your Witcher senses, which may be similar to Batman's detective mode. Um, and then you use you use the power like it's the same with the firepower, which could have just been like a blast flames on the guy. But you can also like you can do anything from light lamps. Uh, um, lighting lamps to it, to uh, burning stuff in a room, to you know, like to causing like you can you can light a guy on fire, throw a gas grenade, and then have the guy like you know fall around while he's on fire into the gas, which causes a giant explosion, knocking back three other guys. Like there's just so much attention to detail um, with just those those six magic spells and that attention to detail is is throughout the game. It feels like every time we do the show, there's something else that I can talk about with The Witcher Three. I would say that I listened to IGN had this. Uh, they have their Game Scoop podcast, and they did a sort of mid-year roundup on like who who's the game of the year so far. What's the best game of the year? What's your favorite game of the year so far? And they were all talking, all the editors, and these are people who work in the game industry, and they don't have time necessarily to dig into a game like The Witcher Three. And I was like, I rarely get annoyed at these sort of things, but. No- they all kind of brushed off the Witcher as being too big or too complicated or too whatever, and they all sort of like were 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 fixating on on other games. Like and and I was like, this is one of the greatest games of all time, and you guys are selling it short. So I'm hoping at the end of the year, like I cannot imagine another game coming out this year that is going to surpass The Witcher Three for me. I would like to see it recognized very well at the end of the year. Um, and Game so, of the year uh, must be coming soon, right? Uh, uh, isn't it October? Like we have a few months before Game of the Year start popping up. No, it's normally all in December, right at the end of the year. Oh, then what was I? I, I thought there was one for Dragon Age, Age Inquisition that happened in October because I was super oh, mad. About, I remember being super mad about it. And I'm like, that time of the year is coming again. We're gonna and it's mad. funny because I like Dragon Age Inquisition a lot. And it, you know, like in many ways compares to The Witcher. The Witcher is just so much better on every, almost every conceivable level. And it, and it kind of is, is frustrating. Like to me, if Dragon Age in a, in a quiet year last year wins Game of the Year. And then this year, there's going to be a lot of games in contention. But if The Witcher 3 is not seriously considered by everybody, I will be, I will be disappointed. Now, to be fair and in full disclosure, I haven't played Bloodborne. I haven't played, um, uh, Ori in the Blind Forest, or uh, you know, a lot of these games that have received a high critical scores this year, um, and there's a good Arkham chance Knight that even right, yeah, Arkham Knight, and I, I will play that. But I I have played the other Arkham games before, and I've played a lot of video games before, and I'm able to um, put this game 
in into perspective. And so I know that it is something it is something special. So I really hope people look past the fact that it's the third game trilogy and all that sort of thing. You should never play it because it will take over your life. <laughs> but everybody else should play it. Well, maybe I'll find some time. I don't know. I am trying yeah. to keep my plate clear for Heroes games, but uh, I do need a good single player experience. I tell you, I downloaded a bunch of games. I just yeah? haven't played them. Yeah, I was thinking of giving Fallout Three a go. Fallout Three is a really good game. Um, I, I'm I never played New Vegas, although I I have that as well. But I'm wondering how how dated they would be now. It hasn't been that long, but like I would look into mods, maybe improving the graphics and stuff. Yeah, it's something I think I'll check out. But um, there was another. There was a game I thought about for you the other day that I felt that you had on Steam. Damn, I wish I, I wish I could remember it. But there's um there's a couple there's a couple of good ones out there that you never you never got into and with your more open mind to these things, uh it would be it would be sweet if you did check them out. I bought a bunch during the Steam sale. I bought Transistor, Child of Light, Ori in the Blind Forest, and this game called Sunset. I feel bad for the creators of this game. They they have pretty much announced that they're going out of business because the game didn't sell well. It's kind of an artsy game. I wanted to support them. So I'll check that out and report back sometime. Yeah, you should actually. Some, I'm just looking at Sunset right now, and uh, it does look pretty amazing. Yeah. So, uh, right, but, but I'll watch that later. All right. Yeah, so um, uh, the thing is, until, until The Witcher is in the rearview mirror, I cannot play anything else it's really all-encompassing and i don't want to either i don't want to be distracted by uh and i and i'm i'm thinking of the end i'm dreading the end now i'm like at one point this experience is going to end um and they've been cd project red's been providing free dlc each week and i just downloaded a bunch of it and i'm excited for that and there's two big expansion packs coming out one at the end of this year and one at the beginning of next and i'm excited for those uh as well they're literally now the games of the fall that i'm most excited for which is kind of funny uh, an expansion to a game i'm playing right now more so than followed Four, even so that's, will... that's high praise because i know you like the fallout games i i did yeah i, did. I definitely like Fallout three All anyway right. i keep telling myself man this time i'm gonna keep it short not gonna talk too much about the witcher I'm not gonna talk too much about the witcher but then it's like it it's gets good. away from me man it's good stuff people need to hear it because maybe there's probably a lot of people out there like me that are kind of like i don't know I, I you know i'm gonna wait or whatever and but and you're saying i shouldn't play it but I, I take that to mean that I'll really love this game and play it to death, and that you won't see me for six months. Yeah, um, I think I totally, I totally think so. Although you know, for you, six probably more like a week. But uh, <laughs> but, but that's but a week still, of no eating, no laundry, yeah, no showering, no, no sleeping, know. or we, little sleeping. Yeah. We all know how how crusty I get when that happens. It's just not so, good for me. <laughs> we've got to keep you pretty for the show, right? So. Hello there, Bo here. Uh, just a quick little ad break to let you guys know about another great podcast that uh, is a part of our podcast family called Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Three guys, Bo, Michael, and Crofton, select a topic at random, 
using the random topic generator and debate whether it's good, bad, or bullshit. If you like this, I know you'll like good, bad, or bullshit. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher or visit our site goodbadbull.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I'm going to return you to our regular programming of the Exclamation Mark Podcast. All right. Well, speaking of pretty, let's uh, move on to the dialogue tree where the conversation's going to get maybe unpretty. Now that there's one fine dialogue tree. All right, it's uh, the dialogue tree where we take a topic and debate it, you know, in full in this sort of open forum roundtable style deal, except it's a square table and there's only two people sitting at it. And that's me and Crofton. Essentially, we just talk about a topic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, <laughs> but you'll walk away feeling maybe slightly more informed about it. Um, we hope. But okay, so this week's topic is um, Crofton actually sent me an email recommending this great video on GameSpot. It's a show called The Point. You may have heard of it, and it's hosted by this guy Danny O'Dwyer, who is he? Is he Irish? He's definitely yes. got it. Yeah. He's, oh, he's Irish. Yeah, it's Irish there. So he's got a you know pretty awesome accent actually. Um, but that's not the point. The point is he did this great episode on how video game companies exploit our study of behavioral science and apply it to the games they develop in order to get us to play them for longer than maybe we would otherwise or to you know have us reach a certain threshold in terms of sales down the road and things of that nature so um i'm paraphrasing Uh, i'm gonna put the link in the show notes as well to this because you should definitely go watch it but uh, we're gonna discuss how companies exploit players and it's it's a 15 minute video i would totally recommend everyone watch it who is listening to this it really makes you think uh it's it's i think the title is destiny the video game slot machine or something like that the hardcore gamer slot machine Yes, and I, I, I would. Uh, it, it focuses very much on Destiny, the the console shooter, uh, but honestly, it can be extrapolated to a, a lot of types of games. Um, and and Danny's sort of thesis in it is that the makers of Destiny are using uh, behavioral uh, theory, which which and they have people on staff that are have experience in this work for Bungie in the past on a pre- previous Halo games and such uh, to get you to buy DLC. Like a lot of the criticism of destiny has been that they sold you a skeleton, didn't put any meat on the bones. And now they're selling parcels of meat at a premium price um, throughout the year. And Danny very much focuses on the money aspect of it. And while I thought his piece was really good, what really interested me was was the time element of, and how um, this behavioral theory and the idea, and I don't, I don't want to paraphrase it too much because you can watch the visit video, uh, but for the context of this conversation, it's essentially like a slot machine, how a slot machine works. When you go to a slot machine, you pull the slot machine, you don't know what you're going to get every time. But at a certain interval, you will be rewarded. Like it might just be a little bit, 
every once in a while, you might get a huge amount. You can't plan for it. You can't say like, okay, on the seventh pull of the slot machine, I am for sure going to make a ton of money. And it's the same with with sort of like the drop of content in a game like Destiny. So, or a game like Diablo for that matter. That's the game that jumped to mind for me. It's like, oh, uh, an epic item just dropped. And there's a flash of light or sound or whatever to indicate that it dropped and then it activates a certain feeling in the gamer. And it and this is this is exploiting a natural tendency that humans have for wanting these wanting this sort of this sort of special moment. It activates the dopamines in our in our brain and gets us going. And this is something Bo and I have talked about before. So Bo, did you see anything in this video or this sort of thesis that sort of made you think about some of the games you play? Oh, absolutely. It resonated completely. In fact, most of the games I play, on some level, I've already talked about this and know that they're messing with my dopamine, and yet I continue to play them. Like, it wasn't that this was like the first time hearing this information for me, I suppose. In fact, I'm aware on some level that I'm being manipulated in a lot of these games, uh, and I still play them. Um, but it's it's not just that though. It's that you have an active interest in finding those games because I remember at one point you were talking about like I was telling you about games like The Last of Us and you're like you know what if The Last of Us isn't released on PC then fuck them you know I'm a PC gamer or whatever yeah. and the only game you ever expressed interest in in being like oh maybe I get a console for that was Destiny and I feel like you have like. You you now are able to identify the games that have those sort of loot drops or that those behavioral things, and now you sort of gravitate towards them, um, which which is which is like oh, means- there's a game that's going to give me dopamine. Like I want yes. that game. Like that's what I want from my game is dopamine release. Inst- because I look, I when I gravitate towards games, for me the ones that I want are the ones that offer me the immersive, immersive experience. I get the impression that there's a growing section of the population that want the ones that are going to going to give them the ADD hit of hit of uh, of dopamine. And I think of I think of like Blizzard games in particular because in Blizzard games, like I'll take let, let's go through some of them. Like there's Diablo where you have your your legendary drops, and I've seen the little graphical effect for a legendary drop in Diablo, Diablo three. Um, Diablo three was absolutely nefarious at launch, and that they had like an auction house where Blizzard took a cut. They restricted your trading uh, and sharing with friends of items because they, you know, they wanted to to make sure you were trapped in their in their mouse wheel, right? That, and that, that, that happened when they shut down the auction house. So there was free trading while there was an auction house. And when the auction house shut down, and this is the part of the Danny O'Dwyer thing that resonated, was that they, there's no trading. Except for people in your party who are there, you have an hour to trade it with people in your party. If, Crofton, you log in and I'm like, oh, I got this sweet item. I think you'd like it. I can't give it to you. You have to get right. your own dopamine. <laughs> but yeah, it yeah. still fits. I just because, because if you could give it to me, it would break the cycle. It would... It would... It, 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 would it would trivialize everything. It's like, here's some right. awesome items. Like, let's play for an hour and never come back. Right. Exactly. So, like, and meanwhile, so that that's Diablo. Diablo is one of the major offenders. And, and World of Warcraft, like, I used to play this um, way back when I played this uh, MMO called City of Heroes. And uh, in City of Heroes, all you do 
is you would grind guys, you'd fight guys and fight guys and fight guys and <laughs> grind fight guys, guys, grind guys and, and grind guys, and fight guys, guys. until yeah, until you would level up, and then you would get a new skill. And that and everybody complained how there was no loot in that game. They were all like, "Oh, there's no loot. There's no loot." The only thing it was a very basic. It was a very basic thing. It's like you would get a skill when you leveled up, a new power, and then what could you do with that new power? You could grind guys some more. You know, like, <laughs> so, so like that's that's all you could do. And it. people rejected that. And the reason they rejected it is because they could see the strings. Yeah. They could see like there was no – loot is that extra level of like you can't you, – oh, you think you're playing a game. But really we're just – we're just playing with your behavior and it, it's it's the same like hearthstone you buy packs you open them you can't go and buy individual cards in hearthstone to their credit they let you craft them but you cannot buy them you have to buy packs which provide random and then when when you click on each one it turns them around and then and then gives you the light and the sound uh, surrounding like you know if it's a legendary or if it's an epic or whatever um, yeah, and, there's and a I, celebration involved yeah of light and sound oh it's a total it plays with pe- it plays with people and gets them to drop hundreds of dollars on packs of virtual cards that essentially like that if they could just buy the cards one by one they might spend a lot less money but they also wouldn't have that rush that feeling or whatever uh and so so i definitely what danny was saying uh, resonated with me and it made it it was interesting because it for me i think of i'm increasingly thinking of games as on one side you have our games art so you've got roger ebert raised that question before he died um our game are games art or are they not? And then on the other hand, I see the increased, increasing corporatization, I'm not sure if that's a word, or productization of games, like turning, becoming more of a corporate product, a, a chain to sell you DLC, a sound and lights orchestrated by a series of behavioral theory technicians to, like, to, 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 to manipulate you into buying or and this is where I got more concerned to spend a lot of time because like I haven't spent a cent in Hearthstone, but like, uh, you know, I can spend a lot of time on it and, uh, and, and it's time is the most valuable resource you have. And these mobile games are the worst offenders for this. Uh, you can bought, pay money to shorten the amount of time on things, but it's, it's a playing with this behavioral theory. I find it really insidious and it really it makes me kind of angry and it makes me reject companies like activision blizzard who who does who does this in in, both in 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 their blizzard side but also in like the call of duty side and in destiny and all that sort of stuff um so that they can generate money throughout the year it almost makes me angry talking about it well because you should feel manipulated i mean if coca-cola said uh drink our coke and not only will you have the normal effects of coke but you'll be filled with happiness and like a little laser show flies out of your can or something like clearly we already know that and this again was brought up in this show mentioned that advertising and marketing have been using behavioral science to make sure its products get sold so it's nothing new and we don't like adver- generally we don't like advertising the best advertising is transparent it's funny too because um, you bring this up and uh, when I was on Azeroth Roundtable on Friday we did talk about there's a content patch for World of Warcraft now it's free but it's a reason to resubscribe to World of Warcraft 
so to give them their money to come back except now you can pay with gold so i actually got a month for free i just paid twenty thousand gold and got in i have tons of gold um but it, it still it came back i'm gonna get to the time issue too because i think that's a really good observation um but they, you know, uh, everyone's kind of, I think the community around World of Warcraft in particular right now, and I could be wrong, are kind of down on it. Like, they had this new content patch and no one's very happy. And they asked, I had the honor of being asked, like, you know, what's your experience of 6.2? And I said, honestly, when the game came out, I wanted to play it. I was excited to play it. But the big content, like the raids and things of that nature, were being released weekly, pretty much artificially. Like, let's face it, there's no real reason to do this over-releasing it all at once which is to say like you've got this raid it's got four sections so week one we're gonna have this raid released and week two we're gonna have this raid released and take that stuff and spread that out over the three or four months i was playing world of warcraft and it's just like now they drop this it's like i've already given a lot of time to this game a lot of time capital t time i'm not interested in coming back and doing it again even though it's cool i've spent enough time I do not have infinite time. And so a lot of these games trade on that fact. The flying, the fact that flying was not in World of Warcraft was a big issue. There was a huge uproar. They finally put it back in. But guess what? In order to get it, you have to grind reputation. Reputation is very slow to accrue. It's not impossible, but it takes time. Um, time doing things that honestly, if you weren't going to get flying as a result of it, like I have no way, like there, uh, there was a, a a conversation in my brain saying like oh it'd be nice to have flying in Draenor even though may, I'm not really planning on playing it I suppose it would be worth putting in the time to gain the reputation to get flying in case I change my mind and want to come back to the game but I don't want to get reputation I was like I don't want to do it and so I said you know what I'm not going to do it I don't want to do it I'm not going to do it and um, the time issue Crofton it's funny because in all my years of visiting IGN in GameSpot and all kinds of places. I have never made an account at any of these places. I made an account today on GameSpot to comment on the video to bring up that exact point that we have all the money in the world as middle-aged gamers now. Like, there's a lot of people who play games. A big de- demographic is we could throw thousands. If we wanted to, we could we could show gamblers a thing or two about blowing money on gaming stuff. We love gaming. But we don't have to. Gaming's cheap. It's time. It's time you could be spending with your daughter. It's time you could be spending practicing your guitar or whatever, doing these podcasts. It's time, or and playing it, or playing another game, like playing a, a game that you that exactly yes. Like there's a world full of experiences out there, and companies are selfishly saying, you know, how do we keep them engaged with our product? Because a that looks great to our stakeholders. B it's good for our company's reputation. We get to show how much engagement we have and all that great modern stuff. You're not using it responsibly if you legitimately believe that doing dumb shit over and over again qualifies as content. Because I guarantee you, they talk about this stuff as content. The fact that each hero in Heroes of the Storm, you can level to level 10, get a gold portrait for it, get a portrait at 9, buy a master skin for 10,000 gold. Like These are all artificial investments on the one hand, to show achievement, because if I'm a good zero tool player, I get, you know, to show off that I'm a good zero tool player. But but apart from that, there's no value. So there should be no requirement around doing these kinds of things. And and it's, it's funny not because content. it's not content. You, 
you and I talked a while ago about about AAA content versus like like I said, you know, when I play my games now, I want AAA experiences. And I don't mean that in terms of um the big AAA games. Like you can, I can't get a AAA experience from an indie title. I mean like it's got to be quality. I need my time is valuable and it needs to be rewarded properly. Um and I find like uh, uh, the games that are and, – and it's not just like – there are single-player games like Dragon Age Inquisition for all that it does right has lots of like fetch quests and lots of like collect 10 of these, collect 10 of these just so you can like get get it cleared out of your exp- um your your quest log and get a get a slight XP boost or whatever. Like there's always ways in which your your brain is being kind of tricked. But it, as companies are starting, there's a difference between lazy game design and actual insidious game design. And and I think as yeah. they hire these behavioral specialists and and get to ways that they can exploit people that ha- may have addictive personalities and aren't able to turn off like and and say like okay like Bo you have mentioned before playing an open world game sometimes intimidates you because you see all these things and you need to do them all well there's a lot of people that are like you and some of them are like you times five and, and these these like little little loot cycles and all this that may seem harmless enough or make them a little money in the short term can literally ruin people's lives. So I think they, I think they, the game companies need to be a little more responsible. And I think that like games that are starting to exploit these systems, be they mobile or AAA releases are going to start to have to have like little advisories on them much in the way that like cigarettes do. I think that's not enough. One of the big things in Warcraft is there's a, there's show tips when you load the game. One of them is all things are good in moderation, especially world of Warcraft. Be sure to go outside of Azeroth and enjoy the world with your friends. It's like, Oh, it says that. Oh yeah. And it's been in there as long as I've played it. And that's been nearly a decade. Well, Um, they've, They've yeah. done a lot of little things in World of Warcraft where they've had like a, when it first launched one of the big and I'm not sure if this still exists, but it was a huge feature at the time was like your character would get tired like you. So you wouldn't wouldn't be able to like you wouldn't get full XP. You, you get played a really XP. long time. So you get you, you get right. um, if you get like up to a level or two worth of bonus XP so you can catch up with your friends and leveling. Yeah, but it's still in the game as a mechanic, but the idea the idea but I think it got watered down. The idea was really that you play for a real long time and then they start essentially penalizing you cuz your character gets fatigued and instead of getting like 5 XP you'd get 1 or 2 XP, you know, or whatever. Like and I think that 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 concept got watered down and pretty much you're rewarded for playing. They can have all the little messages they have uh, and it's like when you go to the gambling slot machine and you're at the slot machine and it says, you know, all things are good in moderation, even, you know, gambling, be sure to take a break. That's great. It's great that they do that, but it doesn't change the fact that they've designed the game to be counter to that. Hardcore you know? players, so. like, you know, identify themselves culturally as people who will sit and do the thing for 57 hours consecutively, you know, like that, like. You should put those messages on there, but like people also feel like they have their free will. That's the complicated thing where it's like, no, I'm a person with free will. And then my free will says, I'm going to sit here for 48 hours, risk death and do this thing, whether it's gambling or playing games or whatever. So, you know, like that that's kind of a tough bind to say companies stop trying to make money so hard and make your game no, so I know. addictive. But, it, you know, it, people have free will in a free country. But at the same time, I agree with you that it still feels 
insidious rather than give meaningful content to make your content Diablo's a big offender of this where it's like they're going to release Torment 10 soon so right now it's Torment 6 the hardest difficulty they're adding four more difficulties which means I'm interested in playing it because the notion of besting Torment 10 is appealing to me and that's going to require sweet legendary loot drops you know and like it's it, I, like as much as I hate it it's appealing to me to do like to, I'm looking forward to participating in this I know um, because challenge because yeah and it works i understand why because an alcoholic doesn't when when he sees a new sweet rum being introduced he's not like he's he's like i understand that rum is bad for me and it's probably going to kill me but man it's going to feel so good going down or I whatever love to do some good rum and, and so you're talking about this torment right now and i can see the tone of your voice changing and the way you approach <laughs> and they, and they're playing you should see you my like, face <laughs> they're playing you like a fiddle they're totally playing you like a fiddle and 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 that's what that's what's happened with these and there's a difference between games that do this accidentally or lazy design where you're just filling out content which is sort of what i think dragon age is it's like okay we need another quest in this area let's add you know ten we more hate of this our game or, let's <laughs> or let's let's add, add more, more shit, shit to do and th- but then there's like and what danny is accusing the destiny guys of doing which is hi- hiring a behavioral um uh, scientist and and then saying how can we what are ways that we can keep people in? And it's the same with mobile games. Mobile games have been like this for a long time, but it, it's creeping into other games. I might I might do a question mark on this yeah. uh, because I feel like we're probably running long on time and I definitely have more thoughts one, on it. So. One aspect of this too that you need to note is that I think a lot of people who make these products are also those types fans as well especially when you're talking about a company like blizzard who is does have a reputation in terms of the quality of its product there are no doubt people at blizzard who also enjoy that type of dopamine gameplay and like so you know it's active it's activision blizzard but well the corporate structure is separated but anyways the like the point being that um that they have people that are fans of that kind it's not like it's a bunch of people who don't understand the game that are making the game. It's people who are passionate about making the best possible rat wheel ever. Like I love rat wheels and I'm going to make the best rat wheel in the world. You know, like it's like having an alcoholic make your alcohol. Yeah. It's like, yeah, exactly. That's the point I'm trying to make is that it's just like, it's also, it's not just behavioral scientists, but people who like this kind of product making it, which is makes it more potent. I think, but anyways, um, I'm a shameless addict for the dopamine wheel. Give me all the dopamines. I want them all now. So as much as I might like on this conversation be kind of against it and feel it's bad, um, I'm down a road. I'm, it's like doing angel dust. There's no coming back, baby. I just messed up for life. <laughs> There's always time to come back, Mo. No, There's because my time. brain will seek it out. I'll be like on the sidewalk inventing some game with the stones on the ground and be like i'm gonna get my give me, dopamine give me, give me the dopamine give it i need it i need it i need it so, can you imagine a homeless guy who's like homeless because he was addicted to video games and just messed up and crazy like does that exist yet 
don't know. No, no, but I'll check in with you next week and we'll see. <laughs> um, All right. Well, on that note, do you have any final things you want to put a bow on the conversation? Uh, no, I, I just, I think that uh, if I want to say more, I'll, I'll do it on the, I'll do it on the blog just because uh, I, I feel like we've, we've worn this ground quite, I would, the last thing I would say is like, I mean, if you've listened this far and you haven't watched Danny's video, it's really like it. it's, it's really worth watching. Uh, it's well researched, well put together, um, and it's not it, too long. It's not like a documentary. It's, it's, it's fifteen minutes, and it's fifteen minutes well spent. And I know it seems focused on Destiny, but really, there's a lot to take out there for for all games. But Croft, this I, I could get like five legendaries in that time and running Act Three and Four in uh, Diablo. <laughs> Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. Inventory management. Do you guys work in inventory management? You should write in and let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear about how it's a challenging and inexact science. But on this show, inventory management is no less challenging or difficult. However, we just strictly keep it to the video game topic. Um, I think this week we're making recommendations. Crofton, I'm going to allow you to go first with your recommendation of the week for our listeners. Sweet. Normally I like to hold up the box and show it, but this is going to be a digital only one. Uh, and I'm, I'm telling, uh, I'm, I'm sharing this one based on the, the recent revelation that, uh, that, uh, Microsoft made that the Xbox one is going to be backwards compatible with Xbox 360 titles. Now, most Xbox 360 titles are disc or disc based games, but Xbox 360 started the whole like summer of arcade stuff. They had a bunch of games, Xbox Live games, many of which made it over to PC, but some of them didn't. And some of them will now be available to play on your Xbox One, especially if you own it, because. Uh, you know, it, it kind of bothers me that like, you know, my Xbox 360 may be disconnected and, and, and there's a whole bunch of games that I can only play on, on that, games that I may still want to play. Um, and one of those games and the game I want to highlight is this game called Shadow Complex. And Shadow Complex is, is, that by is the a Unreal match- guys? It's by um, Epic. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was... Uh, war, it, peoples. It was Cl- Cliff... Cliff Bilzinski uh, was involved in the design when he was with Epic, and um, it, it it is based on a series like it's based on a series of, of novels uh, and, and a story that kind of exists outside of the game. Um, and there's been criticism about the story as being like I think there's the, the writer was was maybe not politically correct and I think there's maybe some homophobia or different different things associated. I'm not too sure. You'd have to look into it. But one thing I can tell you is none of that is in the game. The game is very much a, a story begins and ends. Really, there's nothing uh, about it that's that's controversial in, in any way. Um, but it's a Metroidvania and uh, Revelation uh, from a hardcore gamer in, in, in me, I have not played – Castlevania Symphony of the Night or Super Metroid. Um, what? Yeah. You've not played Super Metroid? No, I know. I know. It's it one of those. It stands sh- the test of time. Yeah. I'm going to play it, I promise. That You need to put The Witcher down and play Super Metroid. No. Oh, no, my, I don't. my. 
God. No. Yeah. Okay. So that's that, a big. That, all right. I won't. I'm not making you feel bad. You're be, you're opening I, up. We're being honest. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I haven't. I'm. But I. To make matters worse, the type of game that that is the um the the Metroidvania the sort of you find unlocks and it gets you to different points and all that sort of thing. I I'm a huge fan of and I've played a lot of games in that genre, but I have not played the two seminal titles in Castlevania Symphony of the Night or Metroid Super Metroid. Shadow Complex is one I have have I have played and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it holds up really well. Um it's uh it's 2D uh you you start off you're just like this Nathan Drake type dude with a with not even a pistol and then by the end you've got this crazy super suit with all these abilities um and yeah it's just like you explore there's all these hidden areas in which you can upgrade things like your missiles like Metroid and all that and uh, I just had a really really good time it was a popular title when it came out but I think it's sort of there's a lot of gamers nowadays who may never have even heard of it and I think really like you know, it's not a – you could probably beat it over the course of a weekend. It's about a Super Nintendo-length game, uh, but it's it's really good. So Shadow Complex is my pick for this week. All right. Well, that's a good pick, man. Um, I remember being interested in it when I saw it when I used to play my Xbox. I'd still actually be interested in playing that game, to be honest. All right. Um, for my recommendation, uh, it's going to be a quick one, and uh, this is a multiplayer recommendation, but it's a little game called Towerfall Ascension. Um, it's an indie title. I know you can pick it up in Steam, but uh, I'm sure if you Google it, you might be able to buy it straight from the store, and maybe you'll support the developers a bit better that way. Um, all that to say, Towerfall Ascension is a fun multiplayer game on par with, I would say, Super Bomberman, which has legendary status in my family. Super Bomberman is like the classic you know, four-man deathmatch game. And this has it's this one's way more twitchy than Bomberman, obviously, but um, definitely a lot of fun. Crofton and I have played that on the couch here in my apartment, uh, and there's a lot of you know screaming and like, oh my god, I can't believe that happened, and crazy like ricochet shots and things of that nature. You basically have a bow and arrow, uh, and you try and out bow and arrow the other guys while there are creeps and monsters, like neutral ones that also sort of mess with you. So um, can't recommend that game enough. Uh, if you like multiplayer games and 8-bit graphics-y type stuff, Towerfall Ascension is the game for you. It's my recommendation. That's it. Yeah, that's a good one. I always enjoyed playing it with you. It's funny. It was released for the Ouya or whatever, and now it's Ooh, yeah. now it's now it's everywhere. The I I would one time like to have like a four-player Towerfall craziness. I think that'd be pretty awesome. In your sweet air-conditioned house, I'm yeah, telling you, my air conditioning's been off for an hour now. I'm, I think I'm a. I, you could probably brew a coffee with all my. Sweat. <laughs> like if I, I was feel, a coffee bean, you could have a coffee. He's single, ladies. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like I'd like to draw this podcast on, even though we've gone over the time as long as possible, just because I know your air conditioning's off. But I tell you what, <laughs> fuck you. I, yeah, <laughs> I deserve that. Uh, uh, I think we'll just uh, we'll just wrap it up, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the the, the close down before we go to the uh, good old master game theater. All right. Um, so uh, thank you to those of you on the live stream, and also to to those of you listening uh, the audio version at home. 
We appreciate and hope that you will tell others about our great exclamation mark podcast. Uh, you can um, access old episodes and, and read the question mark blog and more at exmpodcast.com, uh, which is our uh, great old website. You can uh, follow us on Twitter and we would appreciate it at exmpodcast. Um, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash exmpodcast. If you want to email in some questions, some comments, some fan mail, tell Bo how handsome he is, exmpodcast at gmail.com is the way you can do that. And, of course, on Monday nights, we tend to stream live uh, around 8 p.m. Eastern time. We do that on Twitch, twitch.tv slash exmpodcast. And we would invite you to subscribe. So please please go to iTunes, uh, Stitcher, whatever. Uh, and subscribe to the show that those numbers when we look at them they make our heart grow three sizes bigger we're so happy uh, so please do that give us five star ten star reviews ask iTunes if you can make an exception to double the review score because you love the show so much um, also if you like the show we have another show it's called Good Bad or Bullshit and uh, Bo and I are joined by Michael Hodgins and we review a random topic every week um and so you can uh, find more about that at goodbadbull.com and you can follow me personally on my twitter at croft and steers and Bo, is it possible that people could do the same thing to you yep they can i can be found at Bo schwartz tweeting about all this stuff that crofton just mentioned because we like work on everything together so it's true we do we're we're prolific um all right, so uh, I guess that wraps up. Oh, wait, there's one more thing. It's now time for Master Game Theater. Croft is just checking something in his pants real quick. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we can only see you from the shoulders down. I assume you were getting something from your pocket. I, was, I, I received a text from one of our longtime fans, Richie Wood, and he was wondering if I could see his comments, to which I say... Is he Snooky Dog in the chat room? Maybe. Uh, if you're Snooky Dog, we can see you. If not, we can't. Anyway, we should just wrap this up. What's Master Game Theater for the week, buddy? Um, this week's Master Game Theater. Crofton, are you doing it? Are you doing the Master Game? Or is it me? I will do it. No, you did last week. Okay. Did this you week. have a chance to research the role? I put a link in the show notes there. <laughs> of course I didn't. All right. Well, you know, if you have feedback about Crofton's poor performance of it, then you know where to send uh, that information to. But I think he's going to do fantastic. He's a quick study. That's what they keep telling me over at Oxenford Theater Department. <laughs> 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 All right, Crofton. I gotta, uh, this week, we are doing an excerpt from X-Men. The arcade game sweet, from like the 90s or 80s or something. Um, and Crofton will be performing the role of Magneto. Yes. Uh, and this is funny because I used to love playing this game in arcades. Like there'd be these eight people cabinets or whatever. And I'd play by myself because I had no friends. But anyway, it was awesome. All right. Uh, I will do this now. Magneto. Okay. Hang on. Ha, 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 ha. X-Men, welcome to die.
Ta-na! <laughs>